Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. The end of the world as we know it. Oh, it's the end of the world as we know it. What is going on with you? What do you mean? I don't know. You don't usually sing these kinds of songs. Usually you make up your own songs. Yeah, it's kind of stuck in my head. That one? Yeah. Oh, man. You got one of those, what do they call those, an earworm or whatever? Earworm, yeah. Earworm. Yeah. Kind of music. a gross thought, uh, an earworm. But I guess there's it's something true. in Star Trek, remember when they put that I don't know. I don't want to talk thing about this. ear. Oh. That's, no, let's not talk about this. Okay. Yeah. Earworms. Well, wait. So, you know, that's, that's going to cause you some trouble. It can. Those can get stuck in your head in, in a major way. I mean, you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. Maybe. Although you... Stop it. I don't want it in my head. <laughs> That's the problem. They're like yawns. They're catching. You know what? I was checking it out, and there's actually a, some science behind this. Oh. Yeah, researchers, they call it I... Well, they have an acronym. I-N-M-I. I-N-M-I. Involuntary Music Imagery. Figure that one out. Involuntary music imagery. That's kind of weird because it's like an oxymoron. Musical imagery. Well, you know, I think when things go into our brains, the sound waves, the photons, they hit something, they jiggle something inside of us, all this stuff is formed just in our head. Maybe, you see what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. I like that it's just I and The outside is only on the inside? In me. Get it? In yes, me. exactly. It's in me. I can't get it out of this me. This is the way the whole world works. You look carefully enough, Aww. and it's all a big joke, and it's just telling you, wait, see, it's all in me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, so this doesn't surprise me. Now, do people actually use this on purpose? They do. Ooh. Do you know there are... Is that psych- kind of malevolent? Well, <laughs> slightly. <laughs> but it works within our system. You think about the, the system that we have that, for instance, you're making a video game. Yeah, video games do that too. They're kind yeah. of in your room. I can think of a few things. Yeah, there's lots of things. So if you're designing a video game and you want it to sell or compete with the other ones, it must be addictive. Our friend in the video game industry mm-hmm. tells us that at the end of each scene or whatever they call it in a video game, at the end of each scene, that the there has to be a, a cliffhanger or something that's going to basically carry you on to that next one. It's like a novel. Oh, so you have to be waiting on the edge of your seat. Exactly. And you must, you simply must go and play the next chapter or whatever they call it. And if you check out, well, what can you do with your psychology degree? You'll find that increasingly <laughs> psychologists... That's a very have, good question these days. <laughs> ...are working with video game companies. No way. To, yes, to try to help them to, quote, make their games more compelling, challenging, and fun. Doesn't that just equate with addictive? Well, yeah. More addictive. But, but you can see how it works. You know, it, we've got to make things addictive if they're going to compete in the market. So we have this tremendous pressure, whether you're a songwriter or a video game designer. Hey, the news does it too. Oh yeah, the evening news is We've classic We've talked about that this. before. Mm-hmm. Their little flags, we have the worst news over here. No, no, our news. It's the most worst over here. I don't even know if you can say most worst, but you get the point. It sure works here. Yeah, and they have to do the most sensationalist titles. It can't be something simple, man stubs his toes. 
Mm-hmm. Man sent to the emergency room after a terrible incident where a wall was involved with his big toe. I mean, you know? <laughs> anyway. It's in social media, too. If you yeah. of us know that when we get a like or on Facebook or when one of my videos will log, you know, get more subscribers and more comments, that every time there's a comment or a like or anything, it triggers a little spurt of chemical in your brain. <gasps> That yeah. makes you feel good, but not so good that you're satisfied. It's it's the kind of little spurt of chemical that makes you really desire another spurt of chemical. Wait, don't they do this for junk food, too? I thought I remember having a conversation with you and you were talking about, I don't know, somebody who makes Doritos or some other kind of chip or something. And they were trying to figure out, formulate the fat and the salt and whatever sweet whatever else it is that triggers that pleasure center and yet not to the fullest extent so that you have to keep eating then of course you get to the bottom of the bag and you need another bag they have a term for it which unfortunately i can't remember at the moment it's i-m-n-i you can see how there's different (laughs) routes as we're talking about our different senses or different media that we're intaking but the concept's all the same that a lot of our media is really created not necessarily to enrich us but to bring us back for more so that we'll continue to buy it or intake it yeah you know that's true even some places that you wouldn't think you have used this tactic too i mean in a way it's almost it feels almost as though you should be using it i'm thinking of the bbc's human planet which is a fabulous Mm. series on humans all around the world that live in some of the most extreme climates and situations and how they live their lives like that. I'm thinking in particular of the one where the primitive guy has to cross that little slack line across that raging river every day. Because he's fishing on that island or or something. something Yeah, he's going to harvest something. He has to go back and forth and how dangerous it is and all of that. And yet then we were pointing out when you watch the behind the scenes later, the camera crew said, oh, you know, do you mind crossing that again? Because we didn't quite get the right angle. And, you know, and of course, it doesn't matter to him. He can do it 20 times a day because he's used to that. It becomes very clear that it's normal to him, but they sensationalize it in order to make it seem like it is much more scary than it is. And then that's going to feed that part of our brain that, Why don't we do that? I apologize, I interrupted no. you. Why don't we do that with real dangers? Driving a car. Can you imagine the, the video, the camera coming in, Oh yeah. showing the car door open with yeah. scary music? This person is about to engage in one of the most dangerous activities known to man. Yeah. <laughs> Going to the grocery store in their SUV. But it is dangerous, but we don't sensationalize that in the same way. No, it's funny how our, our culture will do that. We'll sensationalize often the things that aren't super dangerous and those things stand out. You know, okay, so if we hearken back to music, yeah, then we'll notice that music that is earwormy mm-hmm. has a very certain pattern to it. It's very uh, monotonous. We'll see how this pattern works for the evening news. So it does the same thing. It has to be fast-paced. Mm-hmm. I was listening as I was kind of studying earworms to this Kylie Minogue, I don't know how you say her last name. And ironically, the song was called Can't Get You Out of My Head. Oh my goodness. And, and it starts going, dun, 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 whatever it does. 
I can't the remember. Same three chords. Yeah, it's three chords, same progression, over and over <laughs> and over. That's all modern music, isn't it? Kind of. <laughs> and and I could immediately feel my hands go into robot oh, mode. Little robot mode. Yep. I remember de- watching de- you. De- I, I started thinking, doing a robot dance. What are you dance. doing over yeah, there? Yeah, I was listening to Kylie and noticing oh. how it impacted my mentality. Interesting. And then, of course, you probably didn't listen to it too long because you're not humming that song at the moment. No. In fact, this is something that makes me really grateful for mindfulness because I could feel it come into me and I have at least enough training in mindfulness that I could hit delete afterwards. You can delete it? (laughs) In my brain. Oh, (laughs) I thought you meant on the computer. No, no, no. (laughs) I don't think you can do that. (laughs) Just hit delete in my brain and took the Kylie song out so that I can't remember. Wiped it. But even a few years ago, it was, it's so earwormy that I would still be repeating it in my head, having trouble sleeping because it's gone. I got to say, it comes back to the whole junk food comparison. That's like a Twinkie versus, okay, wait a second. I just have to have a little disclaimer here. I am not saying that all modern music is terrible and horrible and that there aren't talented people out there, but I'm just noticing, I'm talking about the earworm vein and how people get addicted to the sounds in our heads. It's like a Twinkie or junk food versus, I'm thinking a little bit of classical music here, which to me seems more along the lines of a homemade flourless chocolate torret with some organic local ingredients. It has layers of flavor. It doesn't just hit you pow in your standard American diet pleasure pleasure center. There's more to it. Now you're talking about with music, with video games, with news, with social media, with food, there's maybe two different types we could break it into. And we haven't even told people what this podcast is about which is about distinguishing between these two types. If we can call it all media, Mm -hmm. we can say that there's junk food media, Mm -hmm. which as you're saying is not evil. If we intake it, it'd be nice if we did it consciously. There's junk food media, and then there's media that really can enrich us in often really powerful ways. If we can learn to distinguish between those two, to recognize those two, then we can tip the balance in favor of intaking media in general, it's very nourishing to us. And if we want to have a snack of watching some news and seeing how everybody's you know, doing the same terrible things as always, then we can always have that little snack. Oh, yuck. Put a little vanilla sauce over it. Well, I'm just thinking of the classical music here for a moment. I'm thinking of live music and how it makes me feel whenever I get to hear an orchestra playing. Or even sometimes this just happens if... Some people are playing acoustic guitar around a campfire or something. I, I mean, I'll cry. Or I'll get goosebumps. I feel it in me. There's a visceral feeling. Yeah, really powerful versus the synthesized, almost too perfect music that doesn't... I, I'm kind of going to go woo-woo here, but I'm wondering, is there something ancestral in us where those ancient kind of first sounds stamping our feet and clapping our hands and our voices and drums and some of those simple instruments maybe is really in our primitive mind somewhere. I don't think that's so crazy. In fact, you know, the problem often with a lot of modern music, for me at least, is that it can be very perfect mm-hmm. in the sense that a lot of the times it's using synthesized material where a drum beat might be, if that's synthesized in some way, it's coming at exact mathematical intervals. And there's not that slight variation that 
you know, when you're listening to an acoustic guitar and you hear the way the hand you know, mm-hmm. slides down and, and makes a little bit of a, a squeak along the, the yeah. strings. Or if someone's playing. drumming and they hit something too hard once and the next time. It gives it a life. Yeah. So what? So besides that, I guess, what is it about classical music or some of these other musical forms that doesn't just lull us into junk food feeling? Well, some people that research music, they'll say that we have these earworm type musics and they have to be, as we were saying, very simple. And I never followed up. They have to be fast. They have to have a very simple kind of chord progression, but they have to have something in there that jumps out here and there a little. So it isn't perfectly perfect. There's minor variations. Yeah. So it'll be a little something in there that helps to create that perfect earwormness. Ah. If it was just totally repetitive, Mm -hmm. then our mind seems to get bored with it. So the singer can do something maybe slightly discordant or off on a slight harmony. A bridge that's a different musical compilation of instruments. Now, Mirabelle and I enjoy listening to Wardruna sometimes. This is a (laughs) a kind of Norse folk, a little bit darker folk music. They use all handmade instruments. Mm. Uh, you know, the strings are, are made of gotten and you know, hand-to-hand leather yeah, on their drums. Yeah, this is primitive. Yeah, so they're, they're really doing things kind of very earthy. But you listen to that, and I too will have that sensation, that feeling that you're talking about where... Sometimes I'll just get a shiver listening to the classical or to Wardruna or something yeah. where you can feel it somewhere deep inside of you. And that contrasts very strongly from the Kylie robot dance where <laughs> my mind kind of goes off into literally a feeling of, of robotic spaciness. spaciness. Yeah. No offense, Kylie. Again, it takes a lot of talent. And I'm not trying to say that music is bad necessarily. And we need all these things in the world. We couldn't be talking about this. I mean, I think we're just trying to point out the way that things make us feel. And that's, again, I come back to the analogy. There are sometimes, think of video games, even the news. If you've, I mean, maybe some of you out there who are listening have experienced this. You play a video game or you watch a movie and you think, yeah, this is going to be fun. And maybe it is fun. You have a good time, but you turn off the television, what have you. And you get up and you think, ugh. I just kind of feel, ugh, as though you had eaten a huge bag of potato chips all the way to the bottom or a big collection of Oreo cookies or something, and you just don't feel good. Mm. Once upon a time, I used to play Halo, which for people that don't know, it's a video game where you go out and you shoot aliens. And I used to play this with your sister. and We would play for hours and hours at a time. And I remember getting to the end of those PlayStation play um, sessions and coming out and feeling, uh in a kind of a daze and I was actually reading a book the other day by a video game critic who his whole he loves video games are such an integral part of his life Mm -hmm. in his life way and yet he was talking about after playing this game for six or seven hours he got off of it and he explained this feeling that he had of just feeling the junk food feeling well okay so we have to tell people this reminds me of forest monks and how we would take them to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And this is very telling. Their experience with food, if we look, parallels very strongly the experience that we might have with the news, with many video games, with a lot of this music. 
even social media, being on social media yes, for too long, absolutely. especially if it isn't really positive, you can have that walking away or even just surfing the internet randomly. Really? You can get sucked into a lot of different holes. And when you step away, you have this yucky this feeling. feeling. So the forest monks will have been in the woods for, let's say, three months eating a super clean forest monk diet. And then we take them into McDonald's. We sound kind of malevolent ourselves. Uh, we have a little bit of a malevolent <laughs> side. <laughs> no, there's <laughs> a good lesson here. Yeah, the purpose of this exercise is to notice something that may have been normal before. Not all of them were fast food eaters prior to this, but most of them once in a while would eat out some fast food and may not have come to Rewild University with a really healthy diet. So this allows us to step out from a really clean foundation slate and to see how something like fast food affects us. And it was fascinating almost universally. They would go in, they'd order, let's say a double cheeseburger and a fry and a shake, and they would eat that. Mm -hmm. And then they'd go up and they'd order again. This time they'd say, well, maybe I'll get two of those double, maybe I'll make it the triple cheeseburgers and get two shakes and give me a super Whopper fry. And the list when they would come out of what they had eaten yes. was literally unbelievable. The yeah. number of burgers, fries and shakes and such that they'd eaten. And they would say, well, here's the thing. I put it into my mouth and it doesn't actually taste good. The fries and the burger basically taste exactly the same because we know they have that special mix yes, of fat, of sugar, salt. And so it doesn't actually taste good, but it somehow tastes good as if I just want more of it. Mm -hmm. And I keep eating and there's never a feeling of satisfaction. And you didn't get full. It's kind of empty calories. Yeah. I can just go, go, go and eat it and eat it. Empty video games, empty news reports. Yes. Yeah. And then of course they, as we would drive back to the wilderness, they would start talking about, oh, I can feel this brain fog and I feel sluggish and my muscles are, set. you know, they would just start with the lists of, oh, this is awful. And they would finally be able to see exactly how those foods made them feel. Now, the tragic thing is that for a lot of us, our regular diet, whether this is our diet of music or mm. video games or news programs or social media or food, is of this junk food. And so we don't know that we're feeling that way. Oh and my the gosh. forest monks don't realize it until they yeah. step out of it, go back to it, and say, whoa, this is how junk food makes I me, fast no food makes me feel. So you're kind of saying, I never even thought of this. You're saying so many people out there have grown up literally eating only, let's say, a diet of junk food or only a diet of screen time, they don't even have an idea that it should feel bad because that's just the normal. I mean, that's like that with chronic pain Yeah. or abusive relationships. You've been in it so long or experiencing it so long, you don't even realize that that's How not what's normal. It is. Yeah. It's not normal, but you can't, you have no basis of comparison. Wow. So I might go through my day and you know, I just, I have a headache a lot of the day. I feel sluggish. I can't really remember stuff. And, but that's just my normal. Right. I don't no realize that I'm supposed tired. to feel yeah. super vibrant, energetic, wow. clear-minded. That's my actual normal if I was having a, a more wholesome diet of media. And obviously at this point, we're talking about media in a very broad sense. From the songs to the video games to the news to the social media to the food. To the movies, etc. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. Uh, I, 
So what is it about the non-junk food media, let's see, the nourishing media, what is it, what is, what are some of the qualities, what is it that makes it so that it does nourish us more? Well, there's, first of all, we have to recognize the difference. And I think in recognizing that, we answer your question. On the one side, we have the INMIs, and, and those inmies we know have to be fast-paced, you know, the fast food is kind of fast-paced. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about how you get it, but the flavor of it. It's very sparky and, you know, it's high, it's salty, it's sugary. Yes, it's sensational. It zaps you. <laughs> <laughs> so so it has to be fast-paced. It has to be monotonous, but it has to have little things that stand out. Mm. And the fast food has that with maybe the pickles in there that that throw a little extra something sure, in there. or some spice or something. The news program. So, okay, we were coming back from Hawaii flying and up a few seats ahead of me. This was on the four-hour flight, whatever it was. Five it was hours. Five hours. Much. Oh, my goodness, a long time. Somebody was watching the news, and they literally watched the news for the whole time. They were mostly, I think, watching Fox News, but they switched maybe to CNN a little bit. But as they watched this, I watched it repeat I couldn't hear the, the words, but I could see out of the corner of my eye, I see it repeat over about a half hour interval, the same thing uh. over and over. And if you watch your news program, you'll see this. Even some of the very same headlines and warnings will flash repeatedly. Interesting. So it has that high energy, fast paced, flashy, sensational re- repetition, but then little differences. So mm. this time around this half hour, the person will have a different guess. It gives a little different slant on it. Not largely different and not significantly uh, different, but just enough to give you a little pickle inside of your double whopper. Well, so whopper. what is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. And then there's the flip side. Well, yeah. So what is it about, say, classical music or uh, social media that is positive, that connects us? What is it? Or food. What is the element that were elements that... So we're going to look at a lot of the opposite things. For instance, a slower pace. Classical, not always, but often will have a little bit of a slower pace. Some Most people would have trouble with Rodruna because the first five minutes of sometimes a song <laughs> might just be nature sounds and a little bit of a drone from a, from a handmade violin. I don't know what it's called. And so slowness to it mm-hmm. and complexity. So think about classical music, highly complex. Just like the homemade flourless chocolate tort. Exactly. Lots of layers of flavor. Well, and I'm even thinking here now about video games or relationships with people. We could say if you're Skyping with someone, you're getting to be involved. You're you're maybe being challenged to think about something or challenged to taste something. And with classical music, certainly, you're being asked to be involved with it, to participate in it. Because you can't just sit there and it's the same song over and over in its little robotic box. Yeah. It's going to change. And just when you think it's going to do the same thing, it does something different and a different again. Hmm, that's interesting. So that classical music, we have research showing that it has positive cognitive effects. If you think about your mind trying to follow the classical music, it has to work. It has to exercise itself. Uh. Your brain does not have to work with Kylie. Your brain is lulled into a hypnotism, Ooh. where with classical, your music, you, my, your brain has to do stuff. Same with Wardruna, and people would argue even with a lot of 
heavy metal, which I'm not a fan of, mm -hmm. but it can be extremely complex and your mind has to follow it a lot. If you took it, uh, look at video games, you can see that there's some video games that are very simple and junk foody. Mm -hmm. There's others like big open world role-playing games and uh, puzzle games like the old Myst games. Oh, yeah. And uh, these games that really will take your mind for a journey where it has to work. They're complex. It's not just, will I turn right or left? There's a whole open world. You can go in any direction. You can pursue your main quest or go off and talk to that person and get into a smaller quest or leave the whole quest completely and just go and, you know, learn how to become a cook over there at that inn. Some of these games are wow. extremely well, complex like that. So there is positive media out there and that's really good to realize. I do just want to say one thing about media in general though. In my world, media, it's kind of similar to any tool. It is how you use it. And I still think of media as media is the media tool. Am I going to pick it up and use it or am I not? And I think sometimes it's good for us to get out in nature, meditate, have a little media free time, and not just do media every single day. But I know we'll talk about that down the road here. That's vital, I think. You know, we need to have some space for it. If we can be conscious about media in general, in the way you're talking about, then we can say, first of all, step one is, am I going to engage with some media and use this as a tool? Oh, you're, you're jumping ahead of me here. Where am I? Yeah, it's time for you to unleash your life. These are our action points, baby. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, what you're saying right now, action point number one, consume your media consciously. Uh, yeah, like yeah, awareness. Yeah. And as you said, some of us don't even realize. So start asking yourself questions. Am I consuming media? Okay, yes. What kind is it? What's it going to make me feel like? And then make that conscious choice. Am I going to, okay, watch that new Transformers movie. And I know that's junk media. It's not going to make me feel really good. And I can decide, hey, I'm going to do it. And mm -hmm. a lot of us will make the decision to drink a little bit too much wine tonight and just to have that rush that it gives us. It may not be something that helps to develop higher consciousness in us or something like that, but our whole life does not have to revolve around that, despite you and I always pushing for such things. <laughs> True. All I, I want to say on the flip side of that is that if that becomes every day, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to have a McDonald's burger today, and then I'll just have a McDonald's burger tomorrow, and then I'll just treat myself today because today is, you know, my birthday, and then, well, tomorrow I've been having kind of a hard day. And that's why we need to have that consciousness about it, because otherwise... We know that these things are built with that INMI structure and that they are highly addictive. So if I watch the evening news, I'm not just intaking something that is a harmless treat. Right. It is an addictive substance and I need to treat it like I would treat alcohol or marijuana or a bag of potato chips. Mm -hmm. These are highly addictive substances that now marijuana, okay, so I can hear some people, not physically addictive, but usually you know, it's a mentally addictive. We enjoy that state and go back to it again and again if we use it. The alcohol obviously is actually physically addictive and the potato chips are actually physically addictive. Yeah, so it isn't even about willpower necessarily. We shouldn't get down on ourselves, but the conscious awareness of what we're doing helps. And if you are finding that you have a difficult time 
I know for me, this helps with exercise to get somebody else involved and say, hey, do you want to buddy up with me on this? And we'll call each other out and we'll get each other doing different things and start to really pay attention or keep a journal so that you notice, oh, look it. Every time I played my video game yesterday, I wrote down I did and how long and how I felt afterwards. Holy crap, I played for four hours yesterday. So just being able to have a sense of accountability and then deciding consciously what kind of media you're going to consume. Is it junk food? Is it more of the classical music type where it's more nourishing and being aware? And the good news is that as you develop mindfulness in general, as we become more conscious of our behaviors and our mental states, we don't even have to, as you said, apply willpower. We will naturally start to make more positive yeah. choices. Yeah. That's kind of simply what you're by being to say aware. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah. action point number two then is in general, if you are gonna to choose to partake of media, choose the challenging media. Now, okay, if we talk about the news. Well, yeah. The news has gone from bad a, to worse. No. <laughs> <laughs> a perhaps mystical legendary news that used to be that would just report the facts to our modern news, which if you watch it, is basically editorial. It presents very few facts and a lot of opinion and a lot of prediction mm. about how this is gonna cause this. Now, if you watch, you'll notice also that the media talking heads, their predictive abilities are extremely poor, but they don't bother to go back and say, oh yeah, I last month I said that the economy was going to collapse right. because of this, and the economy is still here. Excuse me, listeners, but... we wanted to circle back around to how we were wrong. <laughs> right. So that doesn't happen a whole lot, but you're going to see a lot of this editorialism that has slowly perhaps crept in, but is now the complete norm. Holy moly, so how do you find a news source that you can go and watch? How do you? We could say, well, only watch uh, BBC or only watch Fox or only watch CNN. But of course, we're not going to be advocating any of those because all of them have their slant and have become largely editorial in nature. So what we have to do, I think, is A, it's going to be really healthy to intake different news sources. If you're going to watch the news, mm. today watch CNN, tomorrow to intake NPR, the next day Fox, the next day BBC. And take in these different slants, especially if you can read the same thing about different stories and mm. you're going to see, wow, there's really divergent reporting going on here, which tells me that this is not about factuality, but is about opinion. Interesting. And then get a discerning eye or ear and start to look and notice what is opinion. It's come to the point where I can read an average news article and I have to stop about halfway through because I see this is somebody just spouting a bunch of their opinion and their mm. biases and their predictions. And I can probably accurately predict that their predictions are going to be largely incorrect. And it's probably a waste of my time to sit there and listen to somebody else's opinion. I could just as easily go over here and hear a completely different story about it. Wow. So I hear this all the time and I think this sometimes to myself too, but then how will I know what's going on? How will I be an informed citizen? Oh my gosh. We want to be, right? We want to know what's going on in the world. And probably our best way to do that is to consciously intake divergent media, to read it with a non-allegiance and mm -hmm. realize that if you are, if you have a pet 
media outlet, <laughs> you're going to have to try to step out of that and see that, wow, my pet media outlet is just as biased as every other one. That's really hard to do because yeah. we know psychologically we live in these bubbles where we take in the same information. Our computers feed it to us. Our smartphones feed it to us. We get the ads and YouTube suggestions. They're all going to feed us things that fit into our bubble. Our mode, of right. mo our model of the universe, our mode of operating. Yes. So to get out of that takes a conscious effort because the algorithms are purposely going to try to keep steering you back in there because it thinks that's what you want to hear. Well, so hopefully we're doing number one, which is consuming consciously. Mm -hmm. And if we're consuming consciously, then hopefully we are doing a variety of different media sources, maybe not even necessarily news channels, but perhaps we're reading articles, probably talking to other people, getting their opinions on things. And I'm going to say, limit it, baby. Do you need to have the news on 24 seven? No. I don't think so. And not every single day. If, I, mean, I feel like if something really ha is bad happening in the world or positive or something I need to know about, let's just put it that way. If there's something I need to know about going on in the world and I need to know now, someone will call me and tell me. And that's doubly true if your friends and family start to come to know you as someone who doesn't tune into the news a whole lot. Then they're going to tend to say, hey, you know, here's what's happening. The aliens have just landed. Yeah. And you'll hear about that. <laughs> and you don't have to watch the news constantly in order to make sure that you catch that moment when the aliens land. This is so important because as these things become addictive, they become our normal. We can drip feed ourselves this, mm. selves this on a constant basis. And it just seems normal. And we start to justify it. Well, I think it starts to become our own beliefs. It does. We just repeat what we've heard on the news and then somebody else who is a friend who also watches the same whatever pet news channel, they repeat it and then you're suddenly no longer challenging yourself. You're starting to go down that road of junk food media and unfortunately then junk food thoughts, which are not super healthy. So we have to challenge ourselves. We have to put in a little bit of effort to ask questions and be curious. Yeah. The little experimenter and asking, what is this? Is this true? And really digging in more. Develop that skeptical, critical side of our minds that's going to question everything we read and not accept something just because it is on a news channel. Well, I think about that with, our, I mean, this is kind of an aside, but with medicine, oh, some mm. people... I mean, even myself, when I was a kid, I thought you just go to the doctor, you tell them what's wrong, they know, and they give you a pill. But nowadays, you really need to get involved. And whether that's with your own health or the news channel you're watching, it's very important to be a part of it. Which I have to just brings me to one more thing before we go to our next action point, which is that with social media, I think it's really important that we opt for a more connected type of social media. So instead of just doing a tweet, you actually are going to give someone a phone call or instead of emailing someone, do a Skype with them. That's a great, a great example of where we can be conscious of media because social media is designed. <laughs> I remember a while back, I don't know if they're still implementing it, but Facebook or one of these was implementing these little awards, blue ribbons or something they would give out to you if you got so many likes on a post or whatever. And of course, they're just, they're not giving you anything. It's just a little set of pixels, but it would create that spurt in your brain and make it so that you want to reach that 100 likes or whatever it is on your posts. 
and then urges you to interact more and more with that system. We can see this NMI, INMI <laughs> uh, structure just feeding through all of these different mm -hmm. systems in our culture. And with social media, we have choice of medias that are more connective, are more challenging. Okay, you introduced us to Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Actually, that was my cousin, Mary. Oh, yeah, I love you. Mary. Thank you. It's wonderful. It's like a video text. And so I get to send somebody a video while I'm thinking of them. I could be outside and see something really neat and want to share that with them. I make a quick video and then it's just saved and they see that they have one and then they can watch it and then they can reply. And it's a great way that I just get my face, my voice, where I am, what I'm doing. And to me, it's far more warm and fuzzy than a text. Not that texting is bad, it has its place. However, you can't see someone's features, you can't hear their tone of voice, you can't be uh, visualizing the surroundings that they're in with words. So it's a much more highly complex form of social media. And more connected. More connected. That text is its easy to do, it's sent out, and you don't invest really anything in it, very little, mm -hmm. <laughs> compared to that Marco Polo where someone's going to see that your hair is messing, you've got something stuck in your teeth, or whether you cleaned your house, <laughs> they're going to be able to read your body language. It's, it's a much more connected, expressive way of communicating. So if I'm going to choose some kind of a social media connection, can I choose a Marco Polo? Can I choose a phone call? Mm -hmm. Can I choose that Skype? Things that are much more connected rather than the things that get us into that habit of, well, texting is kind of a, a junk food media. Quick, yeah. easy, and doesn't really have any real substance usually. Well, I want to say with social media, try to keep it positive. I know it might be challenging, but maybe Skype with people that fill you up so that you can remain positive. Keep forging and cultivating your positive friendships and relationships. I think it's really important to keep positivity high for ourselves and for the world as a whole, especially right now. And then I have one more thing. I know I keep having one more thing. No, no. So I won't even say it's the one more thing. Well, so we need to talk about video games. Yeah, you go ahead. Oh, me? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about food. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to do media and we've been talking about food here, Get a little challenging with your food, too. Yes. Don't just eat standard junk food. You know, consume consciously all things. <laughs> yeah, that's, you mentioned the video games, music, whatever it is, if we can start to distinguish between the junk food and the complex versions and start to choose, in general, the more complex versions that are going to nurture us. If you're a gamer, choose those those multiplayer online role-playing games, you know, those or massive multiplayer game. Choose a puzzle There's game. There's games that do biofeedback. Yeah, all kinds of cool things you can do. And have some fluff once in a while for fun, but start to notice what makes you feel good and what is just junk food. And we can make those choices with our music, with our video games, with our social media, with our news, with any, everything yeah, in our life. Any and all. Okay, so action point number three, because we've been talking about this media, 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 how about number three, an intentional media fast? No media. No media. But let's define what we're talking about by no media. Sure. Okay. So we aren't necessarily saying that you have to wait until the weekend so that you're not on the computer for your job. It's more what we're taking in via news, via video games, 
via music. What else do you want to add in there? Well, I would say that what we can do is just look and say, honestly, what's our poison? Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to know. I know. We all know for ourselves, so we don't want to admit it, what the thing is. Maybe it is texting or tweeting or something. Maybe it is your phone. So choose your poison, what it is. Come to an admittance about it and say, all right, we'll use the news example again. I spend three hours a day watching the news and that's my poison. Yeah, or I keep it on ever since I get home yeah. until I go to bed. <laughs> so, and then, yeah. Try fasting from it. Yeah. What did you say? You were saying, we were talking about this. You were saying like three days. At least do three days. Because, because yeah. First, okay. I did a video about this recently. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, there's kind of what we call a, a mental half-life of junk food media. So if I intake a really junk movie today, it's going to probably be there really powerfully after the movie. Mm -hmm. I might have dreams about it and feel anxious or something, blah, 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 blah. The next day, it's reduced by about 50%. It has a half-life. The next day, it's reduced down to 25%. And so it's going to keep reducing. So that means that by day three, if I'm on a media fast, I'm going to be down to that 25% level in general. It's going to have less influence. And I'm going to be closer to that point that the forest monks are at of being able to notice when I go back to the media what it actually feels like to A, be without it, and then to intake it again. Oh, interesting. If I don't give it long enough. Yeah, then we won't have a feel for what it's like no and especially that next day maybe day or two i'm just gonna be desiring my poison yeah all I'm be able to think about is oh my gosh i'm missing the news what's going on in the world the aliens might have landed and i won't know about it <laughs> we have actually heard from uh, some of you out there who have tried media fasts of various different kinds and Lots it's of you, yeah. wonderful to hear about the things that you've done more time in nature time with family time for hobbies that you forgot that you really loved it is incredible so just be open-minded and remember you don't have to think this is going to totally suck you can think i wonder what i might discover during this time and that, I think, is the essence of why we tend to talk about media so often. Because on the other side of junk food media is waiting an entire world that opens up to us. A world of more time with family. A world of more mindfulness, of more appreciation for life. Of feeling just more energized, more clear-headed, feeling more joyful. Calm. Calm having time for our hobbies, having time for exercise, often we don't even notice how much raw time this media consumption yeah. can take up. It can take hours and hours from a day, and then we'll say, well, I don't really have time to meditate, or I don't have time to exercise, or I don't really have time to spend time with my children. Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of call out the BS there and say, usually it's because we're spending inordinate amounts of time yeah. with junk food media. Yeah, and so the fasting really helps us to take a step back from that and experience life without that and to see how awesome it really can be. It's amazing. And we would love to hear from you if you try a media fast and feed us more so we can have more of this anecdotal uh, evidence, if you will, of what getting off of junk food media does to us and how we feel when we're off of it. So speaking of junk food media, you got to get that song out of your head. And I think you should sing one of your songs. It's gone, but you know, 
I was thinking about Kylie. What about Kylie? I just was going to go listen to it again. Because no, it was super not catchy. The Kylie, please. Wait, wait, wait. You want me to sing one of my songs? I want you to sing up? one of your songs. Well, I was thinking of, you know, we've sung one of our songs to to our family out here. Yeah, that was the yesterday one. That was the yesterday one. You should one do the one kids. that you do for the girls with the uh, pooping. Okay. Pooping, yes. <laughs> so, if you have children and you want to introduce them, this is for younger children, to what happens in the whole digestive system, this is a little song that I wrote that um, really helps to bring some light to it. And it's fun because it's an interactive song for the children. Mm -hmm. Okay. This makes the young girls cry. No, it does not. <laughs> or throw up. Okay, so the kids get to pick what food they want to the song to okay, be Okay, so about. you be a little kid. What okay. food do you want? Uh, pickles. Pickles. Okay. Here we're going to go with pickles. Now, mm -hmm. there's a pee version, which I won't do. This is the poop version. Okay, and I promise that I will turn us off after this, okay? <laughs> you can do it. All right. <clears throat> Pickle goes into your mouth and down your throat and into your stomach and through your intestines and out your butt. Pickles turn into poop. Okay, okay, that's good. We're saying goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so grateful to all of you. Thank you for being part of our very wonderful family. And yes, I'm pressing the stop now.